Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Jessica Hockman, pediatrician and mom of three. On this podcast, I like to talk about various pediatric health topics, sharing my knowledge not only as a doctor, but also as a parent. Ultimately, my hope is that when it comes to your children's health, you feel more confident, worry less, and enjoy your parenting experience as much as possible. Welcome back to another episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. On today's episode, our guest is Dr. Andrew Cohen. And Dr. Cohen is a board-certified plastic surgeon who practices in Southern California. Now, have you ever wondered in what ways might the field of pediatrics and plastic surgery overlap? Well, as you'll learn today from Dr. Cohen, it turns out there's actually quite a bit of overlap, and there are many scenarios in which a kid would benefit from seeing a plastic surgeon. So a big thank you to Dr. Cohen for taking the time to come on Ask Dr. Jessica, and a big thank you to my listeners. I know your time is valuable. I know you're going to love Dr. Cohen. He's knowledgeable, personable, and I learned a lot. And a quick ask before we get started, I would be so thankful if you could take a moment to rate, review, and share this episode with some friends. It all really makes a difference to help spread the word about Ask Dr. Jessica. Dr. Cohen, I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I have never had a plastic surgeon on my podcast before. You're the first. Well, you haven't lived. (laughs) This is true. This is true. I'm so excited because, you know, while the worlds of pediatrics and plastic surgery don't always overlap, there definitely is some overlap. There are times when we definitely rely on you to help our kids. Well, I think there's actually a lot of overlap, to be honest with you, that you might not have thought of, but but we'll get into it. That's great. No, thank thank you. So first, tell everybody, what is a plastic surgeon? I think there's a lot of confusion when they hear the word plastics with surgeon and there's not, is there plastic involved? What What is a plastic surgeon? Explain it to everybody. Plastic surgery has nothing to do with breast implants or a plastic or a silicone, okay? Plastic, the word plastic actually comes from the Greek word plastikos, which means to shape or mold or reform. So plastic surgery has been around a very long time. And World War I is really where it started to take place um, with soldiers getting facial injuries. That And the whole reconstruction of the face really started with uh, Harold Gillies. Dr. Gillies is really the father of all this. But I don't want to talk too much about that. But plastic surgery, a plastic surgeon like myself, I went to medical school. I did a residency in plastic surgery, at, which was a three of general, three of plastic. And so it's usually about a six-year program these days. And then I did a fellowship on top of that, a little extra training that I did in Atlanta, Georgia, and some cosmetic work. But, you know, when you meet a plastic surgeon, everyone likes to say they're a plastic surgeon, but it's really the guys that did a residency in plastic surgery that are boarded by the American Board of Plastic Surgery that are the real, you know, the real thing. And you're the real thing. Yeah, when you see cosmetic surgeon, that doesn't mean they're a plastic surgeon. Cosmetic surgeon means they're a dermatologist that pretends to be a plastic surgeon. So you don't really want to go to someone that just says they are a cosmetic surgeon. That's that's not real. You could be a plastic surgeon that does cosmetic surgery, but you want to see on their website that they're a board-certified plastic surgeon. So first, how do you spend most of your day? What What procedures are you doing most of your day? of what I do is uh, body work, about 30% face. I do mommy makeovers. I do breast reductions. And by the way, breast reductions is where there's crossover because pediatricians like you have young gals that are 16, 17, 18 with hypertrophy of their breasts. And this can really get in the way of them exercising, partaking in physical activity, getting made fun of socially and interacting. So we actually do a lot of breast reductions on teenagers 
uh, as long as they're fully grown or at least three years past their first menarche is when they, they've shown that we can really do a breast reduction. So teenagers are getting breast reductions. It is a very common thing. And so that's where some of the pediatricians call on me to do that. That's good to know because parents have asked me when is the best time to have breast reductions. And I've sort of steered them towards waiting till being an adult, but that's great information. But again, it's really hard if you're 17, if you had your period when you were 11 or 12, if it's beyond three years of the first period, the studies have shown that they won't regrow after the breast reduction. That's great. No, especially because there are a lot of psychological ramifications, I find that girls experience from being too, too large. And having said that, I don't want to forget the boys. There are boys that go through puberty and get gynecomastia. And so it's really important to to not forget about kids, okay? Gynecomastia is male breast tissue. It could be related to um, endocrine issues. It could be related to something like a mass on the testicle. So you've got to examine the testicles to make sure there's not a little tumor there. But majority of the gynecomastias we do are just from puberty. They get male breast tissue, and I do liposuction and excise the breast tissue, and it's flat and looks perfect. So, you know, for a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid, that's very common too. So... So that's that's what we do. I do again. I do a lot of body contouring, breast reductions, tummy tuck, breast surgery, um, and then we do some cosmetic work of the face as well. But the majority of my day, I will tell you, seventy percent is body work. It's great. It sounds like what you do is so different from case to yeah, case. Yeah, that's why I like really being a plastic surgeon because we are plastic surgeons operate head to toe and all age groups. Okay, so it's really interesting. The field of plastic surgery is actually a lot more diverse than you would know. Uh, craniofacial surgery, like children with cranial synostosis, that's part of plastic surgery. Hand surgery, pl- some plastic surgeons just do hand surgery. Um, microsurgery, doing reconstruction of the lower extremity for microsurgery and reconstructing, uh, you know, if someone's in a car accident and they've, you know, had a bad injury to the, their lower extremities. Burn is part of plastic surgery. Breast reconstruction is part of plastic surgery. I mean, it's very diverse field. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so where I personally refer the most to plastic surgeons is for lacerations. And there's always that question in my mind, should I do it as a general pediatrician? Is this child better off seeing a plastic surgeon? Do you have any general, do you have any general advice for people when they should see a plastic surgeon? I mean, I think that every little lump or bump doesn't really need a plastic surgeon, to be honest with you. I mean, I've gone to the ER, you know, with one little stitch. I mean, did it really need it? It needed it because it was gaping open. But one stitch you're going to call a plastic surgeon for. But it is Los Angeles. And Los Angeles is a little bit different from other cities. So if it's crossing the Vermilion border, a lot of times that's when I get called. And, and so we want to really get that vermilion border together nice and pretty. So vermilion border, sometimes uh, the pediatricians or the ear doctors are, are not very comfortable with ear lacerations. So if it's a difficult ear laceration or lip or difficult nose or a dog bite, I get called for lots of dog bites. And, you know, that's when I think it's good to call a plastic surgeon, a difficult area or a dirty wound or a, co- a complex Difficult dog bite, things like that. Can you just briefly explain where is the vermilion border? Yes. The vermilion border is where the pink and the white roll meet right here. And this part here is very important. It's Cupid's bow right there. This is the filtral columns. These are the Cupid's bow. This is your commissure. So the 
there's the mucosa, the pink part, and then the white part on top. If you don't line that up nice and pretty, it's it can show a little discrepancy. So you really want to ha have, you know, a really good person to line that up. The other place that I always send to a plastic surgeon is if the laceration is anywhere by the eye or the eyelid. Yeah, I know. I think ear doctors and pediatricians are uncomfortable with that. So, you know, I'm happy to do it. Again, I guess the answer to your question is if the doctor in the ear is uncomfortable, that might be another time to call a plastic surgeon, right? I mean, it's not always what does it look like. It's what's the comfort level. So they'll call me or they'll text me and like, you know, should I, you know, like Dr. Epstein will call me sometimes. Hey, what do you think? Can I glue it? You know, honestly, if it's something right here with one stitch, you could glue it. It's not going to make a difference. I mean, I don't really have to come in for one stitch. I'll do it if they're uncomfortable. But, you know, if it's one stitch in the forehead, I mean, you can glue it. You could tape it. You know, obviously a stitch helps too. But uh, if it's here on the lip or the nose, that's more difficult of an area to heal. The thing I think about is the time. And I'm curious what your what your expert opinion is on this. But um, sometimes I'll tell parents it's better if we take care of the suture you know, in my office, rather than waiting for the time to see a plastic surgeon? Do you find that the time till closure matters? Okay, that's a hard one to answer. Um, but I'm going to answer you. You want to get things closed as soon as possible, if you can. Having said that, I've been called at eight, nine, ten o'clock in the night, and we do it the next morning. And it's fine. Uh, I'm just being honest with you. You could put a Band-Aid on it. If a kid gets cut or hurt at 7 o'clock in the evening, okay. and you wash it with peroxide and put a Band-Aid on it, and I do it the next day. Let's say I'm out of town. I do it the next day. It's going to heal fine, I'm telling you, because I'm going to clean it with Betadine very nicely, and I'm going to close it. Now, if you're near the ear and you want to get it done that night, go for it and do it. But I have done things the next morning, like even if it happened at 10 or 11 or 12, we let the child sleep, meet me in the in the office in the morning, things heal fine. So okay. I, I don't know if that answers your question. There's no, you don't want to wait two days, but if you waited till the next morning, it's not the worst thing to do. If you're close to an ER and want to just get it done, then just get it done. I've heard something like every 12 hours you wait till closure can make a difference in the cosmetic outcome. And I'm I, not sure if that's true. I just don't believe it. And I'll tell you a story. I had, I'll make it short. There was a gentleman who left against medical advice to Cedar sinai because he was drunk. This is many years ago. He had a huge lip laceration. He came in two days later. They called me because I was on call at Cedar sinai They said, what do we do? It's two days later. His lip is all open and split. And I said, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to sew it because he wasn't drunk anymore. He was alert and oriented. And I said, I'm going to wash it. I'm going to clean the edges and close it. We're going to put you on antibiotics and hopefully it'll heal. It healed fine, you know, because I washed it carefully. I trimmed the edges. I sewed it pretty, kept them on antibiotics. It can heal. There's good blood flow there. So, yeah, you don't want to wait more than 24 hours to sew something. But, I mean, I think the cosmetic result is not as much as important as the time as who's doing it because you know you could freshen the edge of the laceration and clean it with betadine you got a fresh edge and okay. now you're resewing it together so plastic surgeons will trim the edge to make sure it's nice and pretty before we close it and i think that's the difference between going to an er doctor or a pediatrician to close it no that's this is really helpful 
The other question I get from parents, they ask about best time to remove something that's cosmetic. So for example, the question I get all the time is a child has a mole, it's on the face and they want to know, is it worth waiting? You know, if their two-year-old has a mole and that gets removed, is the, is the cosmetic outcome going to be better than if they were to wait into their well, teenage years? Well, we, we need to talk about, are we talking about a mole? Are we talking about a hemangioma? Are we talking about a vascular malformation? I mean... There's different kinds of, yeah, if it's just a mole, I mean, I don't really take moles off of little kids, with little kids meaning five and under. I mean, I've waited till someone with 10 or 11 or 12 to take off a mole off of her neck. I, I like him to be a little bit older so I can do it awake and it's not a big deal. I don't okay. want to traumatize a child to take a little beauty mark off or a mole off because I just don't think that's necessary. Right. I, I guess I was wondering in terms of, cosmetic outcomes or healing does age matter but it seems like it doesn't i would guess i think it kids heal great whether you're five or ten you're gonna heal good you're a kid you got good collagen so i'd rather you be you know a mole i'd rather you be at least 10 or 11 or 12 a little bit older so we can keep you know it's easier to handle the surgery that makes sense all right. So That's now I'd love to ask thoughts. you about dog bites, because unfortunately, dog bites are something that I do see with regularity as a pediatrician. And that's something that we will send to a plastic surgeon. So any advice for parents on how to handle a dog bite? You know, I've seen so many in my career. I think that, you know, you, you got to make sure, you know, it's going to happen. It happened to my own child, my own son, who's 23, just got bit by a dog. Our dog, Bernie, bit my son and his eyebrow was off. I mean, he was missing tissue. And this was on Father's Day last year. So, oh my goodness! you know, uh, number one, I had to bring him into my office and do it in the OR because I wasn't comfortable doing it at home, obviously. But um, I think if you have a dog bite and it's extensive, you need to see a plastic surgeon. Uh, if it's just a, a bite and it's a puncture, we wash it out you were probably trained to not close dog bites, and I, I close dog bites all the time, okay? I just wash it out carefully with betadine, and I close it and suture it with dissolvable stitches. We use dissolvable stitches on all kids, so you don't have to remove the stitch later. But after about five to seven days, I'll snip the knot so I don't see a line, a dot from the suture on their face so so it's a dissolvable stitch, but I cut the knot and wipe it away so the stitch doesn't stay in too long to leave a dot on either side of the suture line, okay? But I do close dog bites, whether it's a puncture or just a big cut. We do sew them up. You know, doctors are trained that it could get infected, but, you know, you put you on augmentin so that you don't get infected. The other so. one they caution us about is cat bites because the puncture is so deep. That we're supposed to not close cat bites, but same same principle, just clean the wound well. I, I mean, if it's just a puncture, it's probably going to heal fine without a stitch. If it's something big and gaping, I'm going to close it. Yeah. I'm going to wash it and close it. Yeah. Good. Because I want the best result. But you got to really clean it with betadine really, really well. I mean, I really get in there and scrub. Do you feel like most dog bites are preventable when you hear the stories about why they occurred? <laughs> well, you're asking guy to sew up his kid on... Father's Day and his kid was 23. Was it preventable? Yeah. He hugged Bernie and got too close and knew not to. And Bernie was scared. My dog's name is Bernie. My son is Noah, but Bernie's the dog. He bit him and took off half, you know, a portion oh of his eyebrows. So is Dr. it preventable? Yeah. You don't want to put your face near a dog. Sorry. But I mean, a kid's going to do it. How are you going to prevent a kid from hugging a dog? Yeah. No, I have. 
So no matter what I say, it's not going to change anything. You, you know, people love their pets. Yeah. We I do too. So, you know. We have a new dog. We have a puppy who's now four months old. And my son loves roughhousing with the dog. And I get so nervous because I've seen enough dog bites in my day. Yeah. And he'll get on the floor with her and he's roughhousing with her. And as soon as she growls, I'm, I am I get very paranoid. But you're yeah. right. Uh, hopefully nothing will ever happen. But well, you have my cell phone. Prevent. So, I, you know, you, you know who to call. So. <laughs> Thank you. That, that does okay. give me peace of mind. Um, so now I have a question about aftercare of scars. A lot of parents ask me what to do once their kid has had a laceration repair. Should they use vitamin E? Should they use sunscreen? Should they use scar away? Some other fancy products? I, you know, is okay. We're really big with silicone sheeting or sh silicone creams. Silicone has been shown to really help a scar heal. Now, a lot of parents love Mederma because it's gotten a good name, but Mederma is just onion extract. There's nothing in Mederma that's been proven to do anything, just the fact that you're massaging it might be helping. So I don't recommend Mederma. You can, I mean, you know, but we know silicone works, a little bit of silicone, and we still stratum it here, and then sunblock and keeping it out of the sun. If it's a tummy tuck or a breast reduction, because remember, all your kids... All the kids you treat have a mom that might want a mommy makeover one day. So for all those mommy makeovers, we put silicone sheeting on there. After about two or three weeks, it puts pressure on the scar and gets it hydrated. So it okay. helps. And what about vitamin E? I love vitamin E too. Yeah, vitamin E, if you break a pill and rub it on, that actually does help. There's something about vitamin E that helps. If you're African-American, honestly, when I'm doing African-American moms, um, cocoa butter works phenomenal. And I think because there's vitamin E in there. Cocoa butter for darker skin is is great. And then how long do you recommend that people use these products for? Two to three months. And then after that, to stay out of the sun or use sunblock. But at least two months. No, this is great advice because I'm never sure if the silicone is really necessary or not. But that's good to hear that it's helpful. I think it's helpful. I think that it hydrates a scar to get the red out to do silicone creams or sheeting. And again, they're over the counter too. You don't have to buy them from me. You can go on Amazon and you said scar away. I mean, there's silicone in that. So it helps. That's been proven that silicone sheeting or, or anything really helps. It's hard for a kid to keep a silicone sheet on there. So they just rub a little silicone on it. Okay. The now cream. what if, now what if people go, this is another scenario that I see pretty often or often enough. If somebody goes to the ER and they're not, ha and they're not happy with the cosmetic result of the scar, how long should a parent wait to make sure the scar is not uh, to their liking? And when should they see you? And can you do a scar revision? I can do a scar revision. I like waiting closer to a year, you know, eight months, nine months, 10 months to a year before doing a scar revision. Um, because you want to wait a full year for it to really heal. Okay. No, that's so really it's, helpful. It's, it's closer to a year. Uh, but again, I mean... If it's looking pretty healed at month seven or eight, I might consider it. You know, it just depends how it's looking. No, that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there anything else that you think parents should know or any misconceptions about plastic surgery or when parents should think about seeing a plastic surgeon that we didn't talk about? You know, some people just call me for advice or they come in for a visit to show me the laceration repair. What do you think? Or did they have me take out the stitches? I think you should always make sure to ask for dissolvable stitches. If your kid, child is six or seven or younger, they shouldn't be putting in stitches that have to be removed. Okay. And, you know, the ER shouldn't be putting in 
a stitch that has to be removed on a two-year-old because your two-year-old's going to be screaming and crying a week later to get the stitches out. So number one, I mean, what kind of stitches are you using, doctor? Are these dissolvable? That's a good question to just ask. It's not being a pain to ask that um, because majority of the time I'm going to do dissolvable stitches so we don't have to remove them. But like I said, at the one-week mark, I'll trim the knot. It's very I distract the child and just go snip the knot so we don't see a stitch mark on either side from the suture itself. So why not? Why shouldn't we always use dissolvable sutures? Is there any reason not to? I mean, sometimes I wonder if they're not going to hold up as well. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's on the lip, like if I'm doing a lip and it's a 10-year-old or 12-year-old and you're eating, I'll do the proline and I'll remove them later. So sometimes in certain areas if people are active or you got a teenager or a kid who's 16 who plays sports, I mean, I'll just do interrupted proline and take them out after a week just to make sure it didn't pop open. Yeah. So, you know, it just depends. It sounds like what you do is really fun, actually. It is. Why don't you come over and watch us? I, I, I might take you up on that. We have we actually teach. I teach uh, the the Milken um, High School. My kids went to Milken, uh, which is a community high school here. And so the kids come and watch me observe for like a week at a time. We had three students over the summer. They come for a week and observe me. So it's kind of cool. That's so much fun. Do you feel like you're always learning? Do you feel like there's always a new advancement in plastic surgery? There actually is. It's very interesting because, you know, we just posted lip lifts and, you know, there's, there's always new things, a new laser, a new procedure like lip lifts. I mean, not that that's new, but it's just, you know, very common now. Um, there's is there, do you things. notice there's trends? Like what's the most in procedure right now? I think everyone right now is talking about deep plane facelifts, which I do. And we've been doing it since the late 90s and but now, because of some internet and social marketing, you know, uh, deep plane facelift, oh, my God, it's new. There's some new nuances to it, but a deep plane facelift has been around a long time. I don't even know uh, what that is. Buckle, it, it, what what is a, a deep plane facelift? It's just a type of facelift. Okay. And then uh, buckle fat pad excision. People remove the buckle fat pads to look thinner here. That's not new. That's been going on for a long time. But then social media picks it up and acts like it's new. It's a buckle fat. You remove the cheek fat. I mean, that's not that new. Okay. Um, lip lifts where you make an incision here and lift the lip. We lift the lip with a scar because as ladies get older, or even men, but mostly women get older, this distance gets longer. And so, if you're in your fifties or sixties or seventies and you want to look more youthful, when we're doing a facelift, we could put a little incision underneath your nose and lift the lip to really give a better contour. So, yeah, there's there's always new little things and new lasers and things. That's fun. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. It's been really fun to talk to you. Um, you. And I'll make sure and link your Instagram, Andrew Cohen, MD, below. So everybody oh. follow Dr. Cohen. And thank I hope you, you have, a, have a great day. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for your time. You too. Appreciate it. And we look forward to, uh, to seeing you soon. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. Also, if you could take a moment and leave a five-star review wherever it is you listen to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate it. It really makes a difference to help this podcast grow. You can also follow me on Instagram at AskDrJessica. See you next Monday.